You're listening to Passion Pod number 10 with Felix Hagen. Felix, you're a musician with many strings to your bow. Musicals, bands, solo work, adverts. Have you always been into music-y stuff? Yeah, well, I've never really wanted to do anything else. I mean, I started it all off when I was, I think, probably about 10. So I fell in love with it. I think 11. I think that was when I had my first gig as a band. Bless you guys. Um, what sort of music were you playing at 11? We played the Pink Panther theme tune. And uh, I was dressed in a Hawaiian shirt and Oakleys. I thought I looked pretty amazing. But I didn't start writing until I was, I think, 14 or 15. Writing awful music. Slightly pathetic songs about teenage angst. And when I eventually got to the point where I could play all the various things myself, I stopped relying on other people. So talk a bit more about this approach of wanting to play everything yourself. I'm a sort of pretty enormous control freak when it comes to recording and arranging. It's a bit of a blessing and a curse, because, uh, yeah, I mean, I sort of don't really like relinquishing control of anything. I, I feel if I ask someone else to record something or that I've written, they'll do it wrong. And so, you know, I have instruments I've learnt to play just so I don't have to use other people. I mean, I've got a violin out there, and there's one song which needed a violin part I've got loads of people I could ask but I just thought no I don't want to do it myself and so I ended up buying a violin and playing a really really bad load of violin and yeah so admittedly definitely an element of control freakiness about that but something pretty cool creatively to be able to say that you've played every instrument. Once you can play these different things and you understand the dynamics and the way it all fits together, you can hear it all perfectly in your head, and that's what you want to achieve. So I just sit there for hours on end trying to get it exactly like it sounds in my head and experimenting myself and growing. Like it's, it's absolutely love doing it like that. It's my favourite thing. I have this theory about learning to play an instrument. I compare it to like learning Latin before you learn another language. Because people go, well, you learn Latin, you learn the principles of language, and you can apply that to learning other stuff. It's exactly the same. Once you can play the drums, you know rhythm. Rhythm will never, ever be a problem for you ever again. And then I started playing guitar, and then I moved on to piano. And the thing about the guitar and the piano is they're both visual. And once you understand where all the chords fit together and how the notes fit together, you understand music theory. You've got a basic grounding. Once you understand the basic principles of rhythm and music theory, which you learn from playing guitar, piano and drums, I think you can play anything. So you learn Latin, then you just learn the the vocab of other languages and you're away. Um, And that's... What, what are you, really? So what have you found is the best method for getting what you want out of yourself? Well, I find that in terms of coming up with ideas, I think if you sit down and go, I'm going to write a song, you're not going to write a song. I mean, it's good if you're cranking them out. For instance, I write pop songs for other people, and that's what I do with that. But then um, for my solo stuff, which I always want to really, you know, not just crank out a nice song, but express something very personal, the idea always comes first. And I have my phone with me. My phone camera has got a million close-ups of my mouth, sort of humming an idea, or it could be anything. It could be a rhyming couplet, it could be a rhythm. And so I've got hundreds of these little videos. Yeah, and that's how I sort of tend to write my own stuff. I and a lot of stuff in general. to find your phone, like, on the tube. I mean, like, <laughs> the nut job has been clapping to himself but the most important thing is once you have the idea is to finish it as quickly as possible everyone who starts well I'm not sure everyone but I certainly did when I started out writing songs you know writes this big chorus or this verse or this line or whatever and then they kind of sit with it for months and if you write some lyrics don't just have that one line you want to write the whole song because as soon as it's finished then you can change it so you want to just sit there with a piano guitar whatever just a a pen just sit there and, and write a song I mean once you've got that line any old shit just Finish it. Get a get a song length thing that you can then change. So breaking your projects down into sort of smaller chunks. Firstly, you've got your solo stuff. You know, how did that all develop? I did this album, this solo album, for two reasons. Firstly, just because I've always wanted to do a big thing where I did it all myself. For my other band, Rocketeer, I wrote a lot of songs for them, but they said they weren't they weren't right, and they weren't they weren't Rocketeer songs. They were very kind of 
for want of a better word, kind of musical theatre flavoured. And uh, but I really liked them, and I didn't want to get rid of them. And I had I think five or six, and so I wrote five more. It was my pet project. I was so proud of it. Anyway, so I recorded, and then I had a hankering to do it live. But I, I've always wanted from the very beginning that the live act should be very visual because having done lots of gigs in the past, I, I've grown very tired of just some men shuffling on stage and playing music. I, I don't find it fulfilling or exciting in any way at all. Um, and I wanted to, something massive and mental and big. And so you look at like a, your standard pop act. Amazingly enough, Britney Spears sprung to mind. And with them, you don't see the band. It's just the performer. And so I thought, well, use backing tracks. And we did that at a gig, a lovely gig in Liverpool. And it was fun, but it wasn't quite right. So having done this for a while now, I know, I know lots of various people who play these instruments very well. And so I thought, well, I've got to get the band. So I assembled these people. You know, and it all goes together really well. But the band, I suppose you couldn't call it anything other than a dictatorship. And it's great having these amazing musicians to realise this vision that I had for the live performance. Because I wanted people to be as mobile as possible. So a friend of mine is in a band called Tankers the Henge. And he summed it up brilliantly because they're a very amazing live act. He said he wants deaf people to be able to come to their shows and have as, just as good a time as other people. And I think that's such a lovely way of putting it. Because you've got to put on a spectacle. It's basically bringing a musical theatre element to a band. Well, exactly. So you're gigging with those guys, and are you gigging on your own as well? You know, what's happening at the moment for Felix Hagen? Well, I do the occasional solo gig. There's uh, some friends of mine recently started this thing called Cable Street Electric, which is a wonderful thing. There's some friends of mine who are a band called Third Quartet, and they uh, they live in this amazing house out in uh, in Limehouse, this old converted factory, which is full of all these impossibly cool people. And so they've started this open mic night. From the word go, it was unbelievably popular. And there's all these regular players who come and do something extraordinary. There's everything from poets to kind of blues guys to all this brilliant and I go along there as often as possible and try and do something it's just a very organic nurturing environment for people who play music and perform it's, it's fantastic it's been dripping into our chats this musical theatre element is it's a pretty key influence for you at the moment what I love about musical theatre is not so much the actual plays themselves but I like the potential that the art form has I mean I've written one full show it's about a load of people trapped in a castle waiting to die it's not a commercial show at all but I'm working on writing for want of a better word slightly more accessible stuff but still with my eye on this on being original that is the most important thing in everything that I do is being original I only ever improvise so listen to a load of other styles and don't play the song but try and sound like it and then once you've got that musical vocabulary and all just this kind of primordial soup of ideas in your brain and then you start throwing in literature and just informing yourself read everything I love the kind of World War One poetry that's a big thing for me I just find it's incredibly kind of visceral it's just so vivid every single image that's captured so I do that and I'm sort of just trying to experience a lot of stuff that isn't music to inspire the music like watch the news just do anything go out just experience as much as li- of life as possible go travel go see all this wonderful stuff just let it soak in I mean my favourite thing is you know when I'm writing lyrics and oh, you sit there with your rhyming dictionary and sort of love dove I mean oh god but if you can rhyme sort of mental words and sort of get all these wonderful stuff in and be unpredictable in every sentence and you know communicate something interesting where do you get your energy from do you think you get your energy from living like that well, I, I, I take it very seriously. This is what I've dedicated my life to doing. I'm always trying to find the way to do this, and I have to do it. Pretty massive thing for me is, I mean, this obviously isn't the same for everyone, but three and a half years ago, I stopped drinking. Every young bloke getting into music thinks, I'm going to get so laid and get so drunk all the time and just have this amazing, never-ending party and occasionally play a guitar. It all got a bit ridiculous, and I stopped drinking. And that was just the best thing I ever did. Once you remove any kind of chemical influence from doing what you do you suddenly you're so much more into it i went from writing a song a month to writing several songs a week yeah wow big change 
Um, you talked earlier about writing songs for other people. I'm guessing that's the main way that you're earning your bread and butter. If you're, if you're a musician, there's a myriad ways to actually make money from it. I mean, you know, I mean, the most obvious one is going and playing weddings and things like that. But if you've done countless weddings, you sort of rapidly become disenchanted with it. Playing to 20 people in your own stuff is absolute crack compared to playing, you know, for an hour and a half of endless Johnny Be Good and Mustang Bloody Sally to a room full of drunkards. But I've I've branched out recently. I mean, a lot of stuff that people people say to you as if you're just a composer is why don't you write music for adverts and you know when someone first suggested that to me I exploded in a bout of artistic what are you talking about and then I sort of uh, ran out of food I sort of realigned my priorities and to be honest it's actually really quite rewarding composing to a brief I mean if you can really nail it it's actually really quite exciting and a quite different skill to actually work to as you say a brief that is being specific that might not be perhaps the sort of thing that you'd usually do Oh, you, you learn a lot. Yeah, I did a uh, soundtrack for an advert to this boat company, and they wanted something very Ibiza chill-out thing, and I hate Ibiza chill-out music, but they wanted it, and they're going to pay me for it, so what are you going to do? And I now have gained a huge chunk of experience in using stuff which I'd never, ever normally do. I also got into writing these pop songs, um, and I sort of fell into that. Again, that was a suggestion from other people, saying, why don't you write songs for other people, but how the hell do you get into that? I mean, how do you start doing that? And, um, How do you start doing that? Well, I just uh, reply to an advert on the internet. There's this, a site which I subscribe to called UK Music Jobs. Uh, and you sign up and you pay something like a tenner a month, maybe? And I get these things for every day. And 98% of the time it's, do you want to come and play piano on this cruise ship? But every once in a while, that's why it's worth sticking with, something good will come through. And one of those things was, there's this record label and they're looking for songs for their artists. And uh, I sent them uh, some songs which I'd written. And, uh, and they really liked them. And I came in for a meeting and they gave me a brief and told me about the artists they were working with and so I went away for a month and wrote six songs about subjects I'd never write about and came back with them and then went from there and now I'm and now I'm negotiating sort of publishing contracts with them and that's how it starts yeah I know it's it's frustrating for someone you just to hear you know just keep hanging in there and eventually it'll happen but I mean that's the only advice you can give I mean Rocketeer for example was signed up with this management company called the Animal Farm and in addition to all the work they do with bands they also write pop songs for people all over Europe I mean that's the thing a lot of people forget is if you're writing pop songs Songs. You're not just writing songs for Robbie Williams. You're writing songs for Sven Bjornsson in the sort of Swedish charts. And, you know, don't forget that there are pop charts in every country in Europe. So, yeah, I mean, there's so many outlets, but it is as hard as being a success as a musician, being a successful songwriter. That's I mean, the difficult thing, isn't it? Creating that balance oh, yeah. of paid work within it and pushing that as much mm-hmm. as it needs to and still having energy to push yourself and your own band and your own music. Oh, well, that is, uh, as soon as a paid job comes in, I do it, and I do it as quickly as possible. Mm. Well, a, because that shows how professional you are. If someone can give you a brief and then next day you send them a finished or at least workable product, then brilliant, they'll use you again. But if you go away and say, right, give me a, give me a month, I'm going to go and uh, ponder it in my retreat, then no one's going to use you again. My darling, what's your biggest challenge, do you think? Getting gigs is hard, I found, especially when you're starting out, because no one's going to offer you a gig. You've got to go and get them. So it's how you make that happen, really. Exactly. And all the gigs we've done so far have been engineered through various people that I've met through gigging over the years with other bands. And that's the most important thing, 
is to foster these relationships and then go off and do these things like for instance the first gig we did the, the one I told you about the backing tracks one that was the after show party of a musical done by my old musical theatre society in Liverpool and so we played there and that was a dream come true I and mean, that was your first gig it's, you, you don't get that as your first gig but we did because I was friends with all these people and they'd heard lots of things I'd done over the years and I asked if we could do that and they said yes and then the other gigs we've done my favourite band in the entire world I don't have many favourite bands I don't listen to music very much apart from your own my my favourite band is a band called Louis Barabbas and the Bedlam Six and they're fantastic but I I became acquainted with them through just being a ludicrous slobbering super fan and I basically told them I'd had this new band and this new project and I sent him the album and I said I'm finding it really hard to book gigs I've never been in charge of that before in my band and he very kindly put us on at this festival in Liverpool called the Threshold Festival and then on the basis of that they really liked us and so they asked us to support them at their album launch in London so we'd done that one gig and it was full because all the promoters want is a load of people so we filled the one gig whatever whatever you know I'd say that to someone if you're if you're starting out don't do practice gigs there are no practice gigs there are only very important gigs every single one you've got to fill it so advertise the balls off it everywhere get all your friends tweeting Facebook whatever uh, and get as many people as possible because once the promoter sees it's just a list of numbers they've got a spreadsheet they brought X amount of people and if that's above a certain threshold then they'll book you again a musical career is an endless series of very small steps it never ends and uh, and that's what we've always got to bear in mind you've always got to be looking for the next little thing you can never rest on your laurels and you can never just expect stuff to be done for you so that's what I'm working on all the time now apart from all the various other stuff is um, just fostering these different connections anything it can be an email to anyone it can be absolutely anything at all so have you got any other musical pearls of wisdom to share Villa and Matt the guys that were on the animal farm they said to me something very good there's no such thing as a demo recording anymore because if you record a song and put it on the internet you're immediately in competition with Coldplay you're in competition with the biggest bands in the world so it's always worth either investing in studio time or do what I've done save a load of money buy the equipment, which in the long run, say countless tens of thousands of pounds, and learn to do it yourself. All the unbelievable opportunities afforded by the modern studio, which I've got it in my bedroom in there. So, you know, every song has got like 36 tracks of backing vocals. Like, you know, I'm just looking around for little things I can put on it. You know, yeah. It's so accessible. These things are, are there. You can make it as thick and as big as you want, even <laughs> if it's just you in your bedroom with some equipment that you've been given and a computer. Yeah, I mean, someone with a 200 quid laptop has an orchestra at their disposal now. And, and, and why would you not use it? So from what you're just saying, you're, you're a big supporter of having this strong online presence with your music, aren't you? Oh yeah, you can't sit around a much bigger advert than I should legitimately be getting at this point in my career came to me because uh, the director had heard a piece of music which I'd written for a musical which I had on SoundCloud which he clicked through and listened to and it was just the sort of thing which he wanted. Getting the job in the first place is just because he heard something which I put up just so people could listen to. Not to buy, just to listen to. It's a bit like you were saying about the gigs, interestingly. Mm. Is don't go to a gig pretending this is just a trial. You've got that as oh, a yeah. very much a theme yeah. of what you're doing. If you're going to rehearse, do it in a rehearsal room. Don't do it on stage and certainly don't do it on a recording. Basically hitting your A game with everything that you do. You have to be as good as you can possibly be in absolutely everything. You have to create such an impression. Because the market, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's all very well saying, oh, the internet has made music global and anyone in their bedroom can, can get their music heard by everyone else in the world. But the thing is... Everyone is doing that, and so how are you going to stand and out? And so there's a million other people doing almost exactly the same thing as me, and so you need to be better. You need to be as good as you can possibly be, and the only way to do that is to rehearse like you wouldn't believe. And uh, why, why wait around? Why think, oh, I'll just try this out on a few little things? Why bother? Go do something big. 
You've been listening to Passion Pod number 10 with Felix Hagen.